Today, here in Charlotte, North Carolina, the Sports Hall of Fame, Hall of Fame by three. This is a production of Dirty Mo Media. You will hear the announcement live at the same time the three inductees and their families hear the news, too. Hall of Fame, Hall of Fame, The year 2020 has 366 days. Since the pandemic hit, we've been away from our studio for 14 weeks, a total of 98 days, 2,356 hours, 26.78% of the year has gone by. Thing stayed constant. The Dale Jr. download. We didn't shut down. We didn't stop bringing you content. Well, the time has come. We're back in Mooresville at the Dirty Mo Media Studio. And damn, it feels good. And it's true. Hey everybody, it's Dale Jr. back again for another episode of the Dale Jr. Download. We're back in the studio. We're so glad to be back in the studio. Got Mike Davis with me, Matthew Dillner, Leah's here. We got a lot going on in this show, and we're recording this show during the Hall of Fame in- induction announcement, which we're uh, one of the... Um, uh, we're nominees, right? You are. <laughs> you know, I got to get that confused. Nominee, yeah. inductee. You're a nominee, hoping so to be nominee. an inductee. Yeah. Well, we're going to find out whether we are, uh, we're going to make the cut. So we decided to do it during, during, during the show. Yeah. We, we hope that we don't regret that decision. But <laughs> I don't think we will. Either way it goes, we're already honored. So I'm glad to be back in the studio. Can't tell you that. Uh, how much this means to me to be back. And uh, we got a great-ass junior coming up next. It's been so long. This feels awkward. <laughs> yeah, you have to get yourself back into it. It's yeah. the way it's going to be with everything. Okay, we're good. Hey, everybody. It's Dale Jr. Um, here for the Dale Jr. Download. We are back in the studio, as you can see, which is uh, which is pretty awesome. This is the Ask Junior portion of the podcast. Um, obviously, you're watching us uh, via the Dirty Mo Media YouTube, so we appreciate the uh, support to that. Uh, this all is brought to you, this segment of the show is brought to you by Xfinity, uh, the premier partner of NASCAR and of this podcast, and your partner for fast internet. Uh, they, they are just such great friends of, of the sport. You know that they sponsor the Xfinity Series, but uh, they've, been, they've been involved in our sport for a really long time. I got to tell you, right out of the gate, uh, we are sitting down just starting to record this podcast, and I had a root canal today. So, um, yeah, I had one. At, uh, it's funny. So, I go. I was going to save the root canal story for the open segment, but maybe you'll want to hear this. Um, about, I've only had one, and about 15 years ago was when I got it. And I had it earlier today around 1130 or 12 o'clock, and I went home and went to sleep. Amy was on the couch, so I laid in her lap, and uh, that's an instant night-night, take a nap when that happens. So, <laughs> and so uh, 
I, I guess um, still a little numb, as you can tell. Still a little, um, still not everything working the way it's supposed to. Uh, but um, anyways, I had this root canal 15 years ago, and it's the only one I've ever had. And I went into the dentist to get a cleaning. You know, we're all going back to the dentist to get the uh, the cleaning that we that we need, and it's been a while and. Uh, I didn't have any pain or discomfort or anything, but he did x-rays. They just, you know, everybody's getting their x-rays redone again. All of us are going through this process when we go back to the dentist. And uh, he's like, hey, man, that, that root canal that you had a long time ago, he didn't do it. Another guy did it. He's like, it's got some it's got some issues, and we need to take a look at it, and then we'll send you over to this other guy. I don't even know the name. What, I don't even know the name of the doctor that did the work today, but it's this strange name that I'd never heard of. Like his name or what no, kind the of dentist, dentistry he the does? Dentistry. Like, like what, oh, the, the orthopedic, uh, the, the, sur- the, the one that does those starts surgeries. Starts with E-O-E-C. Yeah, what, what is that? Ether dentist or no? No, I got it right here. Hold on. Well, it's not your speed dial dentist Endo. is what you're saying. Oh, endodontist. Yeah, whatever that is. I don't know. But anyways, I'd never heard that for, that word before. But um, this guy was incredible um, that, that worked on me today. But he, uh, I go in there to get this root canal taken care of, and they're just going to redo it. I guess I go in there and crazy thing two weeks before this. Um, and I may be violating some laws here, but two weeks before the same, he had the same procedure on the same exact tooth, uh, as me, same problem. We both went back to the dentist. We both had the same root canal. We both had the same root canal, the same tooth with the same issue. And so she goes to this, she gets sent to this guy. She has the same thing done. Well, I go get checked up at the dentist. I go, and find out I had the same problem with the same tooth, and they send me in there. And as soon as I sit in a chair, the dentist, this guy goes, "Would you send your wife in here to check <laughs> to make sure all you know this is going to be okay?" And she was the guinea pig, and, and if she came out okay, you were going to come in. He gave me a hard time. Anyhow, he goes and does this. Really, they sit, they they put me in this thing where it kind of rotates around your head uh, to get a really in depth exam of your uh, of your tooth. Much better than just a traditional X ray. If you ever had an MRI or anything like that, it's kind of similar to that. And he fa- he's he's showing me this x-ray as he's getting ready to go in there and work on my tooth. He's like, hey, you know, here's the roots, and they've been treated. Well, there's this third root that that's not treated. That's not like a traditional root canal, what I'm seeing there. And that looks like there might be a tool in there that broke off when this guy Holy first did what? your root canal 15 years ago. Whoa. You know, those tools that they use like- are really tiny. Anybody seen that drill? <laughs> Anybody? Yeah. And so. This is like a Grey's Anatomy episode right he's now. Like, he's like, look, I don't know if that's what it is, but I'm, I'm not seeing what I traditionally see in this route. And so I don't know if I can get that out. And if I can, I'm going to have to come in from the side and we'll just have, I mean, this is going to be a little tricky. I'm nervous. I'm getting worried. Yeah. Well, he gets in there and digs around and I plug in my. I don't know how you guys are to dentists, but when the drills come out, I put on the headphones and I plug my earbuds in. I got these, you know, earbuds that are molded just like the race car drivers. And I'm I'm rocking away as hard and loud <laughs> as I can so I can't hear that drill. And uh, he's digging around in there and doing everything he's supposed to do. And after about five or ten minutes, he kind of sits back and he's talking to this to the, to the other nurse in there. And so I'm, I turn my music off and I was like, hey. Of course, I can't really talk real well, but he's like, I got the, uh, the 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 tool out, and I was like, so it was a tool. It was really in there. It really did. It's like a little fine, tiny little bit that broke off. He's like, yeah. And I was like, 
and it came out. You didn't have to come into the side. That's so good. He goes, yeah, it came right out. And so. Did you keep it? No, I don't want to. No, I Matthew. I want to see it. No, you don't want to see it. So it's this tiny little, it's like a sliver of, uh, you know. It's, it's, it's a piece of metal. It's, it's a little a, drill bit. A little drill bit. That's it's exactly. a tiny little drill bit. That's all it is. And so <laughs> all these years, 15 years, I've been walking around with that thing in my tooth. <laughs> Jeez, and and a hat, you know, a, a, a root canal that was like sixty six percent finished. Um, and this, this is the redneckiest story I think I've ever heard. I <laughs> what, mean, what I, about this is redneck? Oh, yeah, yeah, just, hold on, hold on. Hold on. It starts off with the matching root canals that you and your wife have now got. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> circumstance. Did you get an airbrush T-shirt when you? <laughs> and then it's that it's basically the punchline to a Jeff Foxworthy joke. <laughs> Where in if, any, if, if in, your dentist I will promise has broke you, off his drill bit in your tooth, I promise, I promise you during the entire experience, not once did I ever think any of it was rednecky. <laughs> um, I was just really disappointed, but thankful for this guy because he took care of it. And you know what? Um, I've talked, yeah, I met another dentist that I think is as good as the one I already know, Mike. Oh, hold up. I don't even know if everyone here. Now, he isn't the exact same type of dentist. He's not, you know, he's not your traditional, hey, man, I got a cavity or I'm coming to get my teeth clean. He does this extra cool work. The outdo and the endo. He does the hard work. Yes. Got it. Now, he's at another level. Uh, Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's equally as awesome. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, my point always was. Brad Haynes is my my original dentist. My point always was people treat you that way because you're Dale Jr., Right. You said, no, this is just the way dentists are. Now, you you just bring this up to argue for your point. I'm thinking, I'm thinking it argues my point. Yeah. Okay. Well, I, so I'm thankful but, because uh, he was extremely, uh, this was a really, uh, he saw it and he goes, this is, uh, this is unique, you know. I'm not, you know, be prepared for this, whatever we got to do here. And this, I'm like, this was a 1992 model. We shouldn't have that in your tooth. This definitely has been upgraded. He's like, he's like, man, I, you know, I don't, I don't see this every day. And he was kind of preparing me for, for the worst. And he got in there, man, did the work. And, and I walked out of there and he's like, hey, we're going to be great. So he put a little medicine in there, temporary feeling, sent me down the road in about four weeks. Somebody on our YouTube chat has had this exact same thing happen. Really? Yeah. Let's hear it. Never know. He said, I've had this happen. Piece of the file they used to scrape the root canal was broke off in my tooth. Ooh. Yeah. Well, my where I'm at now is I got, they medicate it. They put a temp filling in there. And then I go back in four weeks to get another look at it. Make sure that the, uh, the infection or anything in there, uh, in the, and the gums is gone. I had no swelling, no no pain, nothing. And uh, so I'm glad that I went to my dentist to get looked at in the first place to find this issue. And um, and hopefully when we go back in four weeks and he looks at it again, he can put the final filling in there and I can get on down the road. But I was hoping that by the time we did this uh, podcast today that I wouldn't still be numb. Uh, but uh, I don't know. Maybe I wonder if you go to sleep when your mouth's numb, whether that slows down the sort of getting back to normal thing because normally after i don't know this was usually takes about an hour yeah it's four o'clock and 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 i was out of there at one and i'm still numb i bet when you go to sleep your body everything kind of slows down and shuts down and and see see me i get so drugged up because i just feel a fear of dentists that i'd be if i got a root canal i'd be done for the rest of the day Mm -hmm. well i I, i'm just saying i think that after in a three-hour period you typically this goes you know the numbness is gone an hour and a half or so it's crazy it's still here, but they may, they maybe put a little 
Something serious. Maybe, maybe they put a little extra in yeah. there. Put a little extra in there for the root canal part. I didn't yeah. feel a thing. Anyways. <laughs> so that's our Ask Junior segment. <laughs> I appreciate everybody. Uh, I, hijacked, I hijacked <laughs> the Ask Junior segment that's okay. and actually used some of our open segment content. That's right. Um, but anyways, I want to turn it back over to you, the, the viewer, and uh, get some of your questions in here so leah send them on in yeah everybody wants to know what you thought of your weekend in homestead everybody was super super excited super proud of you what were your thoughts um i was truly uh genuinely nervous about just starting the race without any idea of what the car was going to be like and the other thing too is is you got to go down into turn one um with a, a lot of guys around you that are in those cars every week so they're going to go in there probably with a ton more confidence than i will They've already been through this process of um, racing without practice and laps, and so they know what to expect, and I didn't, and I felt nervous that I would underdrive turn one so much that somebody might run over me, really, and that was a little, uh, that was a concern uh, initially just to get through the first couple corners, and I'm telling you, I, I felt it. As soon as I was coming off into gas, accelerating off of turn two, and looking around at the cars around me and noticing that they were accelerating at the same rate and that I had survived that initial entry into one and not not screwing anything up or getting run over, I had a real sigh of relief and a, and a, and a big weight off my shoulders, off my chest. And, uh, you know, then it was just about how good a car we had. Uh, we started running that first stage, and we were, we were moving forward a little bit, but not. I didn't feel like the car was – uh, was really incredible at that point or, or anything special. And I didn't have a ton of speed uh, uh, compared to the guys around me. I was, a, I was as good as they were, maybe even not good uh, compared to some of the guys out front. Like, we were, you know, a lot of guys were driving away from us. Anyways, you know, I was, I was thinking, hmm, we're going to run hard here to finish fifth, real hard to finish in the top five. And, and uh, then things kind of came to us. I, obviously, I feel like that I got a little more comfortable and got better with the car and track and found some lanes and, and grooves and some angles that were making speed for me. Uh, in turn one and two, particularly, I thought, you know, typically I love three and four. We were right around the fence. Well, I couldn't make speed up there like I wanted to, so I had to, when I could get the car to work real well, I wanted to run in third groove and split that seam, put the lefts underneath it. But in one and two, I found this really cool thing where you could drive in super low, really hard, all the way up to the center of the corner. And if you did that at any other racetrack, you would just plow, have to slow way down and kill the exit of the corner and all the way bound and be slow all the way down the next straightaway. Well, for whatever reason uh, that, you know, I don't know why, and, and there's a lot of reasons why this could be happening, but uh, I could drive down in there really deep and really shallow and get to the center of the corner and the car would turn, and I could accelerate off the corner as fast as the guys that had used the high entry and were up against the wall. But entering low and hard, I could gain almost like five car lengths on that guy. And so I love that. Um, I also found an entry that was high into one and turned down in the center and run off kind of low. And I'd seen some drivers like Joey Logano and other guys use that in the past, and, and, I, and I was able to make that work. I could not run the fence in turn one and two. If I was, in, if I was against the wall from the center off of turn two, my car just plowed really bad and, and killed any – gain or momentum that you would you would you would be trying to create on the high side so you run the high side to get the run off the corner to be super fast down the straightaway and if I had to if I, I was so tight against the wall in turn two that I wouldn't make any speed there so 
cutting down and running underneath uh, or running that third groove or a little lower. I, I really enjoyed that. Just that's a, that's why I picked that track because you can move around, you can change, you can be doing something completely different than the guy that you're racing with to pass him and find speed. A lot of racetracks don't provide that. A lot of racetracks, everybody has to work in the same groove, and that's really frustrating. So um, I enjoyed it. I didn't enjoy it as much as I would have had it been in a traditional race weekend with you know practice qualifying and all the bells and whistles, the fun sort of process of going through the race weekend and the fans. You know, there are a couple times on the racetrack when you're out there racing and you look up in the grandstands and go, man, it's just surreal that we're actually doing this and no one's here uh, to enjoy it. But it, uh, it, that was initially my first experience with it. You know, now, you know, these guys I'm racing with have been doing this for weeks and maybe it's something that's kind of become normal to them. But uh, for me, that was a bit uh, interesting uh, to see for the first time. And, uh, you know, when I got done, uh, I was happy. And our cars just wouldn't take off on the short run. We saw it in the next race the following day with Noah again, uh, late, late race yellow. He'd been dominating the race. Uh, our cars didn't fire off. And how, I guess I, uh, the only way to explain that to, the, to people watching is when we get the green flag and go down in the corner and we turn, our, turn the front tires, the car just slides the fronts, and the guys around us are able to go. They're able to turn, and they're able to get back in the gas and just and go. They can, they can go really fast for like three corners. Then after about three corners, a lap and a half or two laps, our cars – begin to work and begin to work extremely well even better than everyone else around us and we're able to drive back by them and then eventually you know you saw Noah be able to dominate like he could on the long run but we were so vulnerable for those first three or four corners and when it comes down to a short run we're gonna we were gonna lose the race and uh so that's kind of how that all worked out but still I really enjoyed it I would like to do one more we're, we're I know for a fact that you know, we're going to have to sit down and talk about that and where that might be. And this is my personal, this is my personal objective going forward. I've not talked to, to Kelly, who's a big part of this company and an owner in it, or anyone else, any of our sponsors. But what I would like to do is I'm going to keep a really good eye on the Martinsville race when the Xfinity cars go there this year. And if that race looks fun to me by what I see those guys going through and what they're doing on the racetrack and how that race plays out, that will be the probably uh, the race I'd like to try next year. So mm. it, when I say fun, like when you watch the truck series race there, they run over each other and beating on each other every corner. And it's not, it's sort of who can survive, you know, the carnage of the day. Um, and, and you're, you're just hopeful that you can be one of those two guys toward the front that can get a little distance on everybody. So you're just not getting run over every corner there. Those truckers beat on each other pretty hard in the, uh, in, in the Martinsville races that I've seen. And I've, I've watched them. I've been there and seen them, and, and it, it just, it's fun to watch, but it's not something that I know that I think I want to be in the middle of. So when I've watched the cup races there, they're so long, you just you don't have enough race car to beat on everybody that much all day long. You have to save a little bit here and there and watch your brakes and take care of your car so that you can have what you need at the end. So I'll watch this Xfinity race. I know it's a short race, just like the truck race, but if those guys sort of race instead of just knocking each other out of the way every corner – um, I might be interested in doing some of that. Next question coming from Connor Coral. What's the biggest difference between the up-and-coming drivers in Xfinity Series today versus when you were um, coming up in the in the Xfinity Series? Yeah, it's hard to say because I can't compare them 
these guys are younger, and and that's probably not true. You know, I I would I would I would just initially say these guys are younger, more raw. Uh, there's no, and but that could be incorrect entirely. I don't know really what the age or the data is behind that compared to my, you know, when I came up in '98 '99. But I will say, I love racing the guys that are in the Xfinity series. I've always enjoyed it because you're you're going to watch a lot of those guys graduate and move up through the ranks and become grown men that are going to carry this sport and be such a big player in this sport. Imagine being able to follow multiple people's careers from uh, from their Xfinity series or truck series up through into a very successful long cup career and being able to really uh, be an observer of that is so fun but to share the racetrack with them when they were young and and you really get to this is another fun part about it is i never get to sit down and talk to these guys i never i never get to hang out with them they don't want to hang out with me they want to hang out with their friends um they want to do the things that they like to do so we're not going to see each other away from the racetrack we're not going to see you're not going to we're not going to pal around and I'm not going to really get to know them as individuals the way that I would like to. But on the racetrack, believe it or not, you can really get to know the core of a person by the judgment and the decisions they make and the, what they're willing to do to themselves, what they're willing to do to the people around them, the give and take. Uh, all those things signal sort of a lot of – all those things sort of signal a lot about a guy's character – and how he thinks and what he's willing to whether he's willing to cut you a break or not and um or the other guy around him how he drives that guy um you really get to see their body language while they're driving and so it's a really cool way to understand who they are what they're capable of doing what they're willing to do and that way when you're in the booth and three or four years from now i'm talking about a guy for example like chase briscoe all right, say he's in the Cup Series three or four years from now battling for a win. I can almost understand what exactly he's getting ready to do in any situation he's in because I've been on the track with him, and I know what he's capable of, and I know what he's will, what risks he's willing to take. Uh, we can learn that by watching, obviously, uh, but we can also uh, watch in the races as a fan or observer, but you really can learn so much actually being in the car with them and and following them around the track. So that's what um, – I like it. I, they're all such great guys, and uh, they all just want to succeed. They're all not sure about their futures. So they're hungry and ready to uh, ready to take a hold and seize opportunities, and that's like, like Harrison Burton. You know, he was presented a chance to really stand out, and, and he did, and he succeeded. And Chase has done that. Austin's done that, Cindric, And, and uh, so – it's fun to watch that. Uh, that series is just a fun series. You know, there's a. Sorry, Siri. I didn't mean to call you. Um, <laughs> there. Do you know the? I guess um, you might. You might say there's a difference between college football and the NFL. Um, I see the same sort of difference between the Xfinity series and the Cup series. You know. The college players are trying to make their mark. They're trying to to they're laying it all on the line and taking these really big risks as players, and they know they have to. This is their time, right, to really get to that that next opportunity, and that's what I see in the guys in the Xfinity series, 
and uh, nobody's promised anything and, and they have to go out there and make it happen. Um, sorry for hijacking the first half of the Ash Junior <laughs> with, with my story about the dentist. No, it's all good. I mean, but you know, um, it's real. Who cares? <laughs> How else would we know about his and her root canals? Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. But I hope everybody's doing well. <laughs> Thanks to Xfinity for sponsoring this segment of the show and being a partner for our for our podcast. They're a partner of NASCAR, premier partner of NASCAR, and your friend and partner for Fast Internet. I am a customer. He is a paying customer of Xfinity Internet Service, so I can I can promise you that um, that you know it's one of the great things about my life is 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 I get to be a paying customer of all these brands and that we support and support us, and I can tell you I enjoy it. It's good service. I, I would hope before we go out, I would assume that saying Xfinity with your face numb <laughs> would be very hard. <laughs> well. Uh, Mike, this is like I said, this is three and a half hours ago. <laughs> yeah, so, so <laughs> gain so, some function he, back. He's gotten his X's back. Yeah, Xfinity. All the right. P's are tough. Uh oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's talk about Pocono, everybody. Yeah, Who nice. wants to do- <laughs> you got to be fast in our sport, and Xfinity knows a thing or two about that. With Xfinity, you get blazing fast Wi-Fi without any pit stops. Xfinity X5 delivers the speed, coverage, security, and control you need to stay connected to NASCAR and Dirty Mo Media all season long. This is beyond Wi-Fi. This is X5. Keep your questions rolling into at Xfinity Racing and at Dirty Mo Media on Twitter using the hashtag AskJunior for a chance to have your questions answered by Dale Jr. himself. We're proud to partner with Xfinity, keeping us connected to the sport all season long. Shout out to Xfinity, premier partner of NASCAR. Picture this. It's blazing hot outside and you need to head to work. You get into your car and turn on the AC to get the cold air pumping as soon as possible, but it doesn't work. Instead, blowing hot air out of your vents and directly into your face. No, your car doesn't hate you. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the air conditioning system, and there's an easy all-in-one solution that will restore your cold air in no time. There's no need to go to the shop and pay lots of money when you can save time and money recharging yourself with AC Pro Recharge Kits. AC Pro Recharge Kits make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience. And the AC Pro app offers clear, vehicle-specific instructions to help you get the job done in less than 10 minutes. So pick up an AC Pro Recharge Kit at any store selling auto products and confidently restore your car's cold air yourself today. Be a pro with AC Pro. All right, Mike, a lot of news in the sport. Just so much news, and uh, we want to get to all of it. Uh, as much as we can. All-Star Race has been moved to Bristol. Mm-hmm. I think that's such a great thing because we've really been talking about this for a long time. Not, not This is, um, you know, this is a product of what's going on in the world with the COVID uh, virus, but it's been years since they've talked about whether we should move that All-Star Race, and here we are. It's being moved. Um, this is a real opportunity for all of us to really find out if this is the right move to begin with. And I believe it'll be an exciting race. Bristol already was an exciting race this year. We saw drivers just to win that race uh, willing to do, you know, Chase Elliott goes down in the corner and and cleans himself and Joe Logano out trying to win the race. Mm -hmm. If that's what they're willing to do for a trophy, uh, for some playoff points, what will they be willing to do to win the all-star race, which pays handsomely, handsomely. Yeah. So I think, and there's no points. If you finish last, it's not a detriment to your season. 
So it's win or nothing at all, right? I like it. I'm, I'm excited about that. I don't think that there really needs to be a, to- a ton of discussion on that. I think we're all in agreement that we can't wait to see the All-Star race at Bristol, right? <laughs> We've been wanting it for years. Fans. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. That's the biggest I mean, part. Yeah, and it's, it's, you know, it's, as serious as the pandemic is, We've got to just say what everybody's thinking. It's It has sort of handed us a lot of things we've been kind of wanting for a long time, including weekday races, all-star yes. race at Bristol. You know, I mean, as awful it is, it is, yeah. it has actually delivered some things for some race fans. And, hey, we'll take it. Yeah, won't we, we will. <laughs> we'll take it with a smile. All right. At the all-star race, there's going to be an experiment that NASCAR is going to try. At least that's what we're hearing. Uh, they're going to move the numbers mm. on the race car. Now, I've heard different different stories on where exactly the number's going to go. Right. All right? Initially, out of the gate, um, who is, who's Adam Stern. Stern? Adam Stern tweets that they're going to put the number on the quarter panel behind the tire. Yeah. I believe he said so in his initial tweet. Yeah. That, uh, uh, to me, would, you know, that is a very unpopular uh, position for the number to be. Judging by what I'm seeing in reaction, uh, where on on social media, okay, okay. or just let's just okay. say in general, okay, you can go anywhere and find an unpopular reaction to, to that rear quarter panel. Yes. Now, immediately after he says that, uh, Jeff Gluck and a few other people circulated a mock-up that I had seen and tweeted about myself in the past where NASCAR is actually thinking of not moving the number all the way to the quarter panel, but just sliding it back right in front of the rear tire and allowing the sponsor to be on the door, but also the number as well. So so there'll be a sponsor in front of the number. That, to me, is a great compromise if NASCAR wants to create an opportunity to have better signage, uh, better sponsor visibility on that location in, 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 on the side of the car. Having the number slid back instead of going all the way to the quarter panel, which we've seen done before. I mean, look, it's it's kind of like on this diecast right here at our table. Exactly. So <laughs> yeah. that to me is an incredible compromise to the group, the crowd of people like myself that say, "Up oh, needs needs to stay on the door." That's how we, you know, that's how I recognize all these cars on my on my table right here. That, yeah. That's how I don't look at the sponsor and go, "Oh yeah, my my curb. That, that's, that's that's a cool Dale Earnhardt car. Oh, fiddle faddle." <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. No, it's number two, 34. You know, so if you look at dirt cars, I don't, you know, dirt cars, my late model stock car that I ran, uh, cars all through the 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, even today and present day, world outlaw uh, dirt cars and so forth, that the, the number slid back to uh, accommodate a great uh, area for a primary sponsor to be on the door. Has is not a new idea, right? And I like it. I feel like it's kind of an old school, uh, uh, cool uh, way to do it. So I'll be honest. I can get down with this. I will say though, if they if they make the numbers any if they make the numbers smaller, I am not a fan of that. They'll be hell to pay. I, I will. I will <laughs> say this. I had a conversation after a tweet thing last yes. night. With a sponsor that didn't want to show this, but they sent me, and I'll share it with you. Yeah, I see it. Now, I got this same picture earlier today. Okay. So so here, here's what I'm uh, going to say. Some of the teams are going to have to shrink the number because from the A post, the beginning of the A post there. This where is the contend- speculation, Hold man. Hold on. Just I know the RTA owns that space. RTA That's owns that space. That's speculation. 
That that is not coming from until I see. I don't. I got that same. Then story. I've also heard that from. Well, right. fin- finish your thought at least, so I can yeah, understand I, what you're I saying. Wanna, you're saying that there, you in some cases. So, well, you're saying in some cases the number will have to shrink. The number's going to have to shrink because the the sponsor's going to be pretty much right under the uh, the window net. Yeah. And it's not going to leave as much room for the number. I don't. So this is what I don't understand. All right, and I don't want to. I hate to get into this because this is speculation. Basically. It's a picture of a car, a race car, where the sponsor of the car is where the number is currently. Not slid forward because the RTA owns that space where the contingencies used to be. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, therefore, there's not room on the door for the number as the number currently is. and And it's made smaller to fit into that space. So, I don't, I don't like that. I don't want you to make the number smaller. That's how I recognize Martin Truex Jr. or any of the other drivers on the track is by their number. And that's their brand. You know, I, the sponsors on these cars change every single week. So I don't follow a driver by the, brand, by the sponsor or the color of his car because that's literally impossible to do. Especially if it's changing every week. Right. That's my point. So we all agree. <laughs> this is what I don't understand. Um, and I, did, I hate this is still speculative because until this is what I see on the racetrack, then we can really have this conversation. Why would the RTA and NASCAR not – it's almost like they're battling over the space on these cars where, okay, if Bass Pro Shops is going to go on the door because it's a better location and it gives it a lot more visibility, that would be a great thing for – I would say I would assume that the RTA would be for that. Yeah, as ours. NASCAR is as well. Um, I mean, I, I don't know if NASCAR really. I think the owners would even prefer it more than the NASCAR would. It'd be even better for the owners to say, "Hey, we're trying to give them all the exposure we can. This is a right. great thing to be able to say to our sponsors. Look what we're doing. Right. We're we're putting your name on the side of the car. Why would they still hoard that lo- hoard that space, contingency space? That contingency space on the fender where all the little stickers would go. One, this is good. One time. Yeah. It doesn't make sense. It don't make sense. So he. So his point is that that's that you can't we're take that to the bank. I'm not taking right. that to the bank. Right. So I'm going to say that you know this is a mock up. Obviously, it's, it it seems it looks official, but um, yeah, we'll see if that's what they end up doing. And if they do, I'm going to say that's a shame that the RTA and NASCAR didn't come together and say, hey, let's work together and get this decal where it belongs so that the number can stay as, as its current size that it is today. And, you know, and everybody's happy, you know. And look at that space on this car. I mean, the RTA is trying to value that space, that contingency space. And um, I understand that they would love to sell it. But now what? If you do sell it, you're going to have all kinds Water. of – It's going to look awful. It's not even – it's going to look – horrible uh to to do that i don't i'm that's why i didn't really want to get down into that i got that picture earlier today matthew and i was like man i'm not even going to go there because i don't even know if that's really what's happening well i mean the the graphic that you guys reacted to on social media is pretty good it goes right into that that space i mean that's smoke sunoco mock-up yep yeah that that space is accounted for yeah and that 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 gave me hope that that's exactly how this is going to play out the jeff gluck tweet yep um, is ho- how I hope it works out. Now, and it is only for the All Star Race, just to be clear yeah, for, for everybody now, that's listening. For now, no, right. but that, it's an that's experiment. The, yeah, hey, yeah. that's true. But we need to get ahead of this if we don't like it. We can't let them. We can't. I'm not gonna. Uh, you know, if I'm if I'm not a big fan of what's going on here, 
Um, yeah, it's an experiment. Uh, next thing you know, they're going to go, hey, man, we liked it. We're doing it. Yeah. You know, you, so, so if you don't like it, you need to speak up. Because I'll say this. NASCAR listens to their fans. And if fans say no, they don't do – they typically listen to that, you know. That's a great point to make because I don't know if you guys noticed Steve O'Donnell's uh, responses yes. to some of the reactions to it. I had a couple thoughts on oh, that. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. In fact, Leah, why don't you pull it up? It's pretty good. Because it's oh, pretty no. good. And, and it's a point that I would like to even make, and I'll <laughs> let Steve make it for us because, you know, people just by default in this, in this space the, of social media and particularly Twitter – it's just natural for people to lose their minds over something that is trivial, right? It's something that shouldn't matter. And, I, and like, my position on this thing is, I, I don't care, right? I'm like, I just don't care. You care. I, care. I get it. You yeah, care. Yeah. And, I care and about I've heard. And I would, I would also listen. I would also say, if anybody is listening to this and really wants to know Dale Jr.'s point on that, go back to probably five, ten episodes of this podcast, and we go a long time about why Dale Jr. is so adamant about wanting that number big. And it all boils down to the identity of the car, identity of the driver, and the identity of the sport. But we also have a long discussion about that. You can go check that out. You, br- you brought up the brand. The, the brand. That's, what what yeah. is it that you want people to know and identify with? And that number has been, yeah. has been, you know, Chase in the number nine. You know, the Elliot's in the number nine. Why is Chase number nine? Well, it's because it was his dad's number. Yeah. That was an identity. So, Leah, do you have it? Yeah, I'm pulling. I have one up. Um, somebody responded and said it looks like Steve. But anyways, have a great night. And he quote tweeted said, "Thank you." One for the poop emoji. Well, yeah. somebody was complaining, and he said, "Listen, guys, it, it was like if we don't like it, we'll go back. It's it, we're trying. It's an experiment. Yeah. Everybody, you know, keep their cool about this." Yeah, I just don't. I get that, and I I appreciate that, and I go back and forth with Steve on a lot of things that you know, uh, and he's. A uh, guy that listens and, and appreciates your opinion, um, but he's got his own opinions as well. Yeah, and uh, and I just think that you know this is uh, this is something that obviously you know this is a this is an aesthetic or uh, even a competition thing that you know just not a lot of people are going to really like, and I already kind of know that. Like, why do we gotta why do we gotta touch the stove and burn ourselves to to learn that? something we already know it's hot <laughs> um right but i i also think that like like are, are you talking about just any change in general no, this no, change this. this particular change but you like you're on board with the one that you said gluck it's tweeted. a great compromise what i would tell you is that when i first saw it it looked funky but i also know that anything that looks different on the first glance looks funky the way a bad haircut looks funky but a day later it's not even in your mind you're not even thinking about it and i think that this would probably be no different well that would be true that would be true mike but we've seen other series do this our uh, the asa series did it a decade ago when was that long time ago it looked awful and the series not not because of this but the series closed the next next year what did they do Uh, just so we know they moved the, the number to the quarter panel Moved and did they them. shrink it? I uh, know. No, it was oh. on the quarter panel. Okay. And then there the was K&N some that series was, was has done it, this. Yeah. Uh, the K&N series has done this for the yes. last few years. Not in love with it. Don't like it. It's Even awful. after a couple years, still can't look at it and go, yeah, that's a cool-looking paint scheme. Hmm. Um, I look just, at those cars right there. The 15, the 11, the 3. They all look freaking cool. Yeah. I, Sliding it back to the tire is great, but if you're going to squeeze it into this tiny little space, and and it just like you say, it's a brand, it's an identity that it, I and a lot of people I think use to to 
understand who's in what car, what car is what. They change now. I mean, years ago, if I was going to drive a red bud car every week, you could put the number anywhere. Mm-hmm. Fine. Mm-hmm. You're going to know when you look out on the racetrack, you're going to see that red bud car and know exactly who that is. Mm. Yep. But today's world where everybody's in a different colored car every single week, if you don't have that number front and center, right in plain view, I am not going to be able to tell who is what. Yeah. No I, chance. I cannot dispute that. I mean, there's no doubt about it. it and it, I and, and can't when, dispute it. Just like when we lost brand identity on the cars themselves, mm-hmm. like – Boy, that's a Chevy. I can tell because just just by a glance, I know that's a Chevy, and and I know that's a Ford. When we lost that with the COT, I'm afraid of the same thing happening. Mm. Yeah. So we got to be careful. Uh, it's for like you say though, just for uh, just for the All Star race. So uh, we'll see how that that uh, that goes, and I I know which way I'm hoping. <laughs> and now everybody else does too. <laughs> we, but no, he, he, I think your points are valid. Thank you, Mike. Homes.com knows that when it comes to home shopping, it's never just about the house or condo. It's about the home. And what makes a home is more than just the house or the property. It's the location and neighborhood, Dalton. If you have kids, it's also schools, nearby parks, and transportation options. That's why Homes.com goes above and beyond to bring home shoppers the in-depth information they need to find the right home. And when we say in-depth, we're talking deep in-depth. Each listing features comprehensive information about the neighborhood, complete with a video guide. They also have details about local schools with test scores, state rankings and student to teacher ratio they even have an agent directory with the sales history of each agent so when it comes to finding a home not just a house a home this is everything you need to know all in one place homes.com we've done your homework all right a lot of a lot of the news in the sport over the last uh, week or so uh, nascar banned the confederate flag from nascar events they did Yes. Did y'all hear this? Well, I didn't hear this. <laughs> All right. So, um, <laughs> you know, it's it's this has been, uh, I mean, I, I, this seems to have been, I know that this has been in our sport and a conversation in our sport for as long as I've been around. I remember talking about it in, in 2000 and uh, 2006, 2015. Um, you would get asked about it one, about every other year. Anytime there was any kind of, current events going on around yep. the flag itself in yep. our country uh you know it was it was it was in our media and we were you know we were always going to get asked about it and, and asked to discuss it but um Bubba Wallace came out and uh asked for the flag to be banned and NASCAR responded immediately and said okay we'll ban the flag so I think that's great and I am you know so thankful that a lot of the drivers are in support and Everybody's on board. I'm glad NASCAR's stepping up and 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 making making a decision. Uh, in the past, it had been, uh, you know, Brian France had said we hope that people would not fly that flag and and we will have an exchange. Uh, we'll come to your uh, trailer and, and give you an American flag or your your favorite driver's flag or whatever. And uh, it wasn't, you know, apparently it, it didn't fix the problem. Um, so. I'm glad that NASCAR has stepped up and spoke. Now, the the interesting thing going forward will be how do they enforce the ban? Right. How, how can this really – because they only own – so when we go to racetrack, you know, there's, there's, there's the racetrack property, and then there's the extended property that can be camping and so forth beyond that that they cannot control or maybe can't control. So – and this isn't going to be an overnight switch like – 
flags are gone. Um, I, I'm, I'm a, you know, we're still going to see some of that stuff at the racetrack, and NASCAR is going to have to work hard and be diligent to change the environment to where people will come to the racetrack and think, well, you know, I don't want to fly that flag because it's, it may, it's an uncomfortable situation for me to do that. So, you know, it's been, I, I'm glad that it's, that this step has been taken. And, uh, yeah, it's just going to, I'm just afraid that it's going to take some time. I don't know that uh, a lot of people will understand that and give NASCAR the benefit of the doubt for really making a, a great decision to, to try to change the environment at the racetrack. And it's on us, it's on everybody to try to help that environment and that culture uh, shift to become more comfortable and uh, a place where everybody wants to come see a race, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm, I'm excited to, you know, I'm excited about these steps, but it's a long road. It's going to be a little bit of a process. Oh, and you know the media will be, uh, um, you know, going seeking out those people, giving them a platform to, you know, make, you know, yeah, they're flying the flag in the face of NASCAR's announcement, and and that's going to happen. And we can't take the bait. I know it's virtually impossible, but we can't take the bait. Yeah, you're right. There's going to be it's going to be a process. And you know what? It might get ugly a little bit. Yeah, it might. Mm-hmm. You know. I, by the way, by ugly, I don't. I'm not saying it's going to be a you know mosh pit fight. Yeah, it may get awkward. Yeah. You know, and and I think that when you make the decision like this, you're accepting that yep. as okay. We're prepared to face the awkwardness, right? I mean, yeah. um, that's why I think I was so, you know, for Bubble to stand up there and do that was was amazing, and for NASCAR to make the decision to do it was even more incredible. I was I was really surprised because they had not went that far in the past, right? And I was, and, and it just shows where we are as a sport that they're saying, "Hey, all right, we're willing to do this, and we're gonna we're gonna really try to make this happen." And I had some conversations with. Uh, with O'Donnell and a few of the folks before the announcement. And that's what I, I said to, 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 to O'Donnell. I said, hey, I said, I like this idea, and I hope that we can accomplish this, but you guys got to be ready and strong and willing to, to do the work because it's going to be a tough process. Mm. You know, people are going to come to the racetrack and say, I don't like it. I'm flying my flag. What are you going to do about it? You're going to have people push you up to that ledge, right, and, and, and draw a line in the sand and say, cross it. Hmm. And so NASCAR, I hope, has the toughness uh, to, to stand firm on their decision and really be effective and, uh, and, and make, this, make this change. It, it's not a change. It's not a light switch. It's not a change. NASCAR can't go in there and, and make flags disappear. Um, we'd love that. But um, – we're all going to have to work to change that that thought and that yeah. environment that 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 culture at the racetrack, and um, I think it's a great step. Did, were you disheartened or emboldened by the response to the Confederate flag ban? Uh, both. Um, you know, I've been in that conversation in the past, and it's you know the thing about it is is in the past uh, a lot of times when this would come up and and we'd be in the conversation about it there wasn't a lot of social media. Social media has gotten to be bigger and bigger and bigger mm. part of our world. And so, you know, you, you get, you see more reaction, you see right. more m- negative reaction. And I mean, hardcore negative, yeah. hardcore. Um, yeah. but you also see more positive reaction, you know, and, and, and that, that is encouraging to me. 
Um, it, it's tough. It's not an easy. It's not an easy thing uh, at all, and it's very uncomfortable and it's very awkward. And you got to be willing to get in there. I mean, if you really want this to work, it's not going to be this uh, very easy process. And you're going to be, uh, you're going to have to, you know, have a lot of people that are going to be very upset about it. And and you know what? And and I have, I've been somewhat disheartened, not just in in the response to it, but somewhat I've somewhat been disheartened in in the people that were pro ban and how they're responding to the people that might have a problem with it. And and I and I reason I have a problem or I say that is because. You know, we're trying to pro- progress here, guys. Yeah. I mean, we're not trying to regress. This isn't a football game. This isn't a who scored, you know, the latest touchdown. It's we're, we gotta we gotta be able to. Bubba's whole message is to listen to each other, yes. right? And, and and not sit there and spike the football on people's face. Yes. And I saw a lot of people getting getting yes. taking the moment and saying, you know, we finally won. And it's like, what, what have we won? We haven't won. No. We we need and, and by the way, there there there's some people that could be upset at NASCAR for doing this. And I don't think, to be honest with you, I don't even think NASCAR's decision is to cure racism. I don't think that's the case. I think NASCAR is trying to create a welcoming environment yes. for everyone. And, and, and I really had to spend some time thinking about this because I'm like, what, what, what is the goal here? The goal, I think it's up to the human race to cure racism. And good luck because if you go back to the beginning of time, human, humans are naturally tribal. I mean, like, you know, I think that we could all agree on. I mean, like, you, it, there's this instinct of sticking with your pack and your own and what looks like, you know, that's the, the most comfortable, right? That's all the way back to the beginning of time or beginning of human civilization. And anybody who wants to argue that, explain to me, you know, the Hittites and Amorites and Egyptians and Chinese and everything else. I mean, like, go explain that one and then yes. come back and have a conversation. All right. But then if you go back to the, the beginning of the United States of America— you got. We, we forget two real key things here. One is that we are an anomaly. We are doing something that has largely been unsuccessful in the world, and that is establish a independent, multi-ethnic, multicultural democracy, right? Yeah. And that's people hate that, right? <laughs> They're yes. like, "What are you doing?" Right? And that is what we are. Yeah. And, and oh, by the way, the, dem- the the this little document called the uh, Declaration of Independence says all men are created equal. That's our for- that's our founding forefathers. And if anybody goes, well, what about slavery? That would lead to my second point. We are still very young, right? We are still sitting at the kid table when it comes to the large timetable of you know our planet, right? And so, what do kids do? They make dumb mistakes. We we are not without sins. I, this is the problem I have with cancel culture is that I don't I think you should own your errors and own mistakes and become a better version of yourself for them, which leads me to this Confederate ban, the Confederate flag ban. I see this as NASCAR just doing what our country has been trying to do, and that is right. be this inclusive place in the face of everything else around us that is exclusive. Yeah. Right? And, and if anybody goes, well, we've always been inclusive because we haven't excluded anybody from coming to a race. I would say that's true. Then let's not use the word inclusive. Let's use the word welcoming. Our NASCAR's trying to be a welcoming environment for everyone. And this is where 
if you fly that flag for whatever reason, your intentions may be good. They're not in the process. They're not in the business of determining what's racist and what's not. They're not, or what's good or bad and right and wrong. They're just if you fly that flag, that is not a welcome mat. No. It's not a welcome mat no. to our sport. And that's where I net out. It's that every private business, no no private business is is has the right to tell you how to live. You have to live how you want to. They do have the right on how to welcome its customers, right? I can't come in here and and, and not abide by a dress code. You know, I, I got a right to wear my, you know, a cut-off Marilyn Manson shirt. Uh, but if I'm giving a tour of our shop, Dale Jr. and Kelly may just say, ah, I'd rather you wear something a little nicer, you know, because this isn't the welcoming committee. This isn't the look we're going for. They would be right. It's their company. NASCAR absolutely can tell you this isn't the look we're trying to do when you come to the racetrack. It's not the environment we're trying to foster. And I don't even see what's so controversial about that. That's, that is how our country works with the businesses. And, and, you know, they're right. You don't have the right to do stuff. All that being said, they're still they, – yeah, but, I agree with all those points, Mike. I try to put my I, imagine being a black fan comes sits down in the grandstands, looks across the racetrack at a at a camper with that flag on it, and have to sit there and try to enjoy a race while that's right there in your face the whole time. Exactly. Well, well, um, yeah, it's you can't you can't look at the black community and, and, and straight in the face and say we're trying to you know we're trying to be a, a sport that's welcoming when you can allow that on your property. So exactly. Um, yeah, and let's hope that cancel culture somehow accidentally cancels itself. Uh, <laughs> Amen. That might be the greatest thing you've ever said on this show. <laughs> hey, r- real quick, I had people come at me, you know, because I spoke up in favor of this ban, and and I had said that, hey, I'm I'm a northerner. I was never really offended by this flag, but I'm not black. Yeah, yeah. And people came at me, and my my response to them because I didn't want to get into the argument. I'm like. And I could ask this to you. When's the last time you went to a race to see a flag? Oh, exactly. I go to races to see racing. Right. It's not a fashion show. So, so these people that came at me and said, I'll never go to NASCAR races again. Yeah. Okay, so you go to a race to see a flag, or do you go to the race to see a race? Well, yeah. So they're, they're never going to come to a race again. And to be honest with you, um, I, I don't believe it. No. I think that you go through your phase, and, and that's fine. And, I, and the, the important message is NASCAR doesn't want you to stay away. They want you to come back, and they're just trying to make sure that everybody else that wants to come to the race can come too. Yeah. That's it. What's, there's nothing wrong with that. Good job, guys. Today, here in Charlotte, North Carolina, the Sports Hall of Fame Rose by three. You will hear the announcement live. At the same time, the three inductees and their families hear the news too. Who will join the likes of Richard Petty, Dale Earnhardt, and Jeff Gordon in NASCAR's most elite fraternity? We will find out in just a matter of moments. So we've got the TV going on. Um, NASCAR America has come on. We've got the family here. Amy and Isla have joined us. Dale Jr. is yeah. ready. Kelly's in. We've got everybody helping around here. LW is hiding in the back. LW wants to be up here. Come on, LW. Come on. Let's talk about your tweeting activity. <laughs> and, so, and so now it's just we, we've been told that uh, 510 or so, we're going to find out. It's just a few minutes. This is exciting. Did anybody bring popcorn? No? <laughs> Nothing? 
I like Larry Phillips. Yeah. Mike Stefanik. Stefanik. I like him. Solid. Kirk Shelburne. I kind of like Kirk. There's so many good guys. And we should say, listen, if this doesn't go our way, we, listen, we're looking at names right now that are absolutely belong in the NASCAR Hall of Fame. And yes. so we're going to be happy. We're going to be happy for whoever makes it in there, right? Ralph Seagraves is somebody hey, a lot uh, of people don't know, but goodness mm-hmm. gracious, I mean, he was a pioneer. Oh, here we go. Oh, this is it, guys. <laughs> oh, the landmark award. <laughs> I wasn't even. Oh, Ralph Seagraves has been announced the winner of the landmark award. Interesting. I'd seen his name on a lot of lists for uh, going in the Hall of Fame. Yeah, yeah. He was part of the Winston brand that yeah. came in. Helped form the partnership between NASCAR and Winston, which was uh, incredible right. for our sport. He helped many tracks refurbish facilities during the NASCAR Winston partnership. I'm so nervous. My, hey, so, um, Are y'all nervous? I'm, the, I've been nervous I'm nervous. Hey. Red Farmer. Red Farmer. Yay. The Pioneer Ballad. Hey. So, that's awesome. Alabama yeah. gang. Three-time NASCAR late model sportsman champion. 1956 NASCAR modified champion. Uh, estimated to have more than 700 race wins. Are you yeah. kidding me? And he's still racing. Yeah. He just raced at and the he's still racing. short yeah. track. That would be the great thing about it is, um, you know, there's so many deserving people that belong on there that aren't with us anymore. But yeah. Red will be able to come speak and enjoy yeah. this while he's still here. I'm nervous. Are you nervous? I wasn't until this. Now it's, it's, it's kind of right. <laughs> Isla is ordering up some diecast cars to play with. <laughs> she is just she, she wants for that Rod Osterlin and, car. <laughs> oh yeah, she needs this one. She needs hers. Oh yeah, there's your Come car. Come on, bring Isla. it out there. <laughs> Pink Isla car. Whoa! <laughs> oh man, I'm so nervous. Mike Stefanik. Stefanik. Oh, yeah. He's deserving. Dillner, you got your modified guy. Yeah, I'm, I'm a little happy that? right now. Yeah. Knowing Mike most of my life. Yeah. Seven and, uh, time Wheel and Modified Tour guy. champion. One of two drivers with nine NASCAR championships, other yeah. than Richie Evans. So, so cool. 74 career Modified Tour wins. And a pure class act. Did you know him, Matthew? Yes, very well. So, great person, great family. It's a proud moment for modified people. It don't open, honey. <laughs> Spoiled you with them high-end diecasts. <laughs> Here comes. Third and final member of the 2021 class. And yeah, a New Englander, I probably should have gone to you first, Steve, to talk about Mike Stefanik. Maybe I shouldn't have because I have a feeling you have plenty to say about this one. The 2021 class of the NASCAR Hall of Fame, Dale Earnhardt Jr. will be inducted. Oh! <laughs> yes! <laughs> Yes. 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 He's in. Yes. He's in. <laughs> Dale Earnhardt Woo! Jr. is in the Hall of Fame, or will be in 2021. <laughs> wow. Oh my gosh. So. <laughs> wow. I, I, didn't, I can't imagine what this must feel like because, uh, like, we're all sort of now just breathing again, and Lee is back there shaking. Dude, you're going into the hall. The yeah. hall. I know, man. It's a big deal. Oh. <laughs> Amy's crying. Isla's just wanting more race cars, and, and that's, that, that is the proper reaction. Are you relieved? You know, it wasn't. it's not really relieved. I'm just emotional because uh, – I um, 
you know, I was so honored to be on the list of guys that were on that list just to be beside some of those names. And uh, being 45 years old, I knew I had a long time to be able to wait if my name was ever to be called that I could be, I was going to be fine with being patient and having to wait. But um, I live on affirmation. You know that. Yeah. Um, Amy, you know that. And uh, cheerleading and, and, hey, you're doing a great job. And, and nothing says you're doing a great job better than that right there for uh, we raced for so many years and worked really hard and. Um, tried to do it the right way, and and um, so it's great uh, to have somebody pat you on the back, and that's just, I mean, that comes from the whole industry. There's so many people on the voting panel that you have respect for. I don't know everyone that's on it, but I do know some of those folks, and I think that they have that opinion of me means the world to me. Mm. It's a pretty special deal. It also, it's a win for a lot of other people. Mm. You know, you might. Yeah, dude, that's, it's, a lot of people have been with you through the years. A lot of people. Yeah. Ke- let's talk about Kelly for a second. I mean, Kelly, mm-hmm. my goodness. Yeah. Think about where we'd be without her. <laughs> that, yeah. that, that ought to tell you, right? Yep, and Amy, um, you know, she was – she Amazing. It's hard to believe she was with me for half of my career. Right, And wow. um, through some of the tougher parts, Yeah, you know, to, to get um, – I didn't even know that we would – get better and be able to come back and, and win in a handful of races uh, like we did and um, to be able to support me and help me into uh, the chapter of broadcasting um, because I feel like that when you're um, the Hall of Fame sort of a body of work and uh, when you look at guys like Harry Gant, you know, they're, they're, there's a couple wins, but then you think of everything that Harry Gant did below that. You know, it's like the, it's like the iceberg and what's underneath the surface that you really can't see or we, we sometimes forget. And I was hoping that my body of work, the work we've done in the Xfinity Series, uh, not only just the championships, but the people we've groomed into the sport or helped um, um, create a path of their own into the sport. And uh, – uh, there's a lot there to it, you know what I'm saying, in the broadcasting and all that, too. I know I'm just starting there, but I feel like I've had a good impact on that side of the sport as well to keep uh, you know, keep the sport growing and fans. And It's an emotional deal, man, but um, now, um, you know, we get to go through that. Now we get to go through the experience of being nominated, being um, the process of uh, – crafting our speech oh and, man yeah you know, just going to the put, getting the jacket and, yes. and so exciting standing up there with all those legends and all those heroes and oh i can't wait um, <laughs> i'll just say that this is just such a great pat on the back and i'm so thankful and i will never uh i don't know if it'll ever sink in and so i won't be ever i won't ever take it for granted the opportunity to to be inducted in the Hall of Fame and the chance to actually have your name called. It's pretty special. I mentioned this back when you were just listed on the, the nominees, and we, we we were geeked out by that, River. Yeah. I was we were great. Like, we're so like, we made you. it. Oh, I, was, I don't I was, think we made it, but we're like, well, when we're my nominees. name was put on that list, I was good. It was good, right? I was fine. But the thing about it, and I mentioned this to you, and we did it on the show. It was a Zoom show, so, you know, does it count? I don't know. But the thing about it is, it, think about Isla. The island did not get to experience your career. We got to, we were there for Daytona 500 wins, but it's hard for anybody to actually, you know, understand how, how significant a career would have been. I like, you know, even my dad or your dad or whatever, we like, we know what we know, but we weren't there. Isla will have a, the, the, the place in the NASCAR hall of fame. Well, after you're long gone and anybody, 
she will always be able to go visit and remember her dad. Yeah. That is the thing about NASCAR or about Hall of Fames to begin with is that, that that's what they do. They, they keep in the memory of significant careers. Do you got something? Yeah. Uh, Jeff Gluck just tweeted, Dale Earnhardt Jr. got the most votes in this year's class, and he was named on 76% of the modern era ballots. Nice. Wow. That's cool. Yeah. I, hey, <laughs> I'm telling you. Um, there's a amazing. <laughs> I got chills. I mean, I, that, that makes honestly. I swear, when I was um, looking at that list, I was thinking, "There's no way that I can go in before these guys." Right. You know, just because of their their impact on the sport, and I, a lot of those guys are my heroes and people I looked up to. Some people we've had, a couple we've had on the show. That's incredible, man! It's yeah. a great it's a great feeling. I don't even know how to express. Well, it, you don't have to actually yeah. because I get a little time to do that. We get time to work, time work, to work on, on how to do that. <laughs> oh, look at this guy! All right, guys, we have a special treat. The executive director of the NASCAR Hall of Fame, Winston Kelly, is on the line. What's going on? Hey, Winston! Congratulations, man! Very well deserved. All right, buddy. I can't wait. I can't wait to see what happens to you when you get inducted. I'm looking forward to the trip. <laughs> Well, you, you heard the guys on TV say it's life-changing and why you've done so much. Uh, to me, it's more what you've done for the sport than in the sport. The in-the-sport part is huge with your 26 wins, two Xfinity championships, 24 wins there. But what you've given back to the sport, what you've done for the sport is just huge. And, and on behalf of somebody that makes a living in it, I want to thank you for that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I will tell you, um, it's people like you that have sort of molded to people like me. You know, um, you're, I'm telling you, I know you, that you want to shake that off. It's not a big deal, but there's so many great, great individuals in our sport, and you're one of them. And when I was around you at a young age, um, you and other people like you have uh, shown me and a great example of how to carry yourself, how to treat people, how to do things the right way. And, um, there's a lot of people in the sport that I always wanted to make proud, and you were one of them, buddy. Mm. Well, you're kind, and you can see in the background, yes. uh, Glory Road that you picked out, <laughs> uh, your car that your dad drove, your dad's seventh championship. But if I can tell a quick story that kind of, to me, summarizes what Dale Earnhardt Jr. has done for the sport, and you wouldn't tell this, but I'm going to tell it. When we had the snow in 2016 and had to cancel the Fan Appreciation Day because the induction was moved, Dale Earnhardt Jr. texted me that Friday and asked what the fans were saying. We went back and forth, and he asked, hey, did you think about rescheduling? We didn't have much time before we went to Daytona. Dale Jr. said, I can come next Saturday. And because Dale Jr. agreed to come the following week, brought Chase Elliott, brought Justin Allgaier and Elliott Sadler and others, we got to do our own fan appreciation day. And he came with the flu and said, I wasn't going to let you guys down, but what you told me in that text is I don't want to let the fans down and I want the hall of fame to be successful. That to me is indicative of Dale Earnhardt jr. Totally unprompted. And I think people need to know that story. And there's so many more like that, like helping us with this glory road, but it's things like that, that you've helped elevate the sport. I just think folks need to know those types of things. Yeah. I appreciate it. And, 
I was more than happy to do it, buddy. I know that you were in a tight spot, and uh, like I told you, how I, you know how I feel about you, and I knew you needed a you needed a helping hand, so it was an easy thing to do. Well, you're the man. We appreciate it. Yes, I sir. see a, a guy there that probably wants to say hello to you. I see myself. All right, Mike Helton joins us. How you doing? Pretty good, there, Hall of Famer. How about you? <laughs> I'm feeling great now, I've man. A lot of things during your years, but. Uh, Hall of Famer sounds pretty good. Congratulations. Thank you, Mike. And it means a lot coming from you, buddy. You've been a big part of my career and, and steering me in, in the right directions and helping me uh, through some tough times and uh, helping me become a better driver and a better person. So um, I appreciate you. Well, we're all proud of you. I know Vaney and Kelly and the Junior Nation are, are celebrating and, and are proud, but uh, there's a lot of folks that are very proud of you. And I know your mother, Brenda, and your dad certainly would be the most proud two individuals that were here today if they were still here. Yes, sir. So congratulations, and thanks for, as as Winston was saying, thanks for being a an advocate for our sport, but an ambassador uh, that you've continued to be such a great part of our sport after your driving part, and and you're you're one of the greatest characters that I've got to meet in my career. So thank you, and congratulations again. Yes, sir. Thank you so much. I can't wait to 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 celebrate with all you guys uh, during the ceremony. It'll be a it'll be an incredible night for me, and and to be able to look out and uh, see you guys sitting there will be hard to hold it together. So uh, it's good to talk to you. I appreciate it. Hey, hey, Winston, this is Mike. You know, uh, Dale Jr. doesn't know this, but he's about to learn about the media responsibilities that come with the <laughs> Hall of Fame. So he's got a hit to do for NASCAR America right now. So we're gonna we're gonna sign off. But thank you guys. Both of you, Mr. Thank Helton. Thank you. Congratulations, Hall of Famer. See you soon. All right, guys. I miss y'all. Congratulations. Good class. Yes, sir. Great, Great class. class. All right, Dale. Take a look at that monitor. We got one more special guest joining us now, Rick Hendrick. Hey! <laughs> there he is. Rick? Hey. What are you doing? <laughs> Watching you on TV just a minute ago, listening to you. Yes, sir. Congratulations. How about that? I'm proud of you, man. Help, hey, thank, thank you for, for helping me accomplish my goals. Well, you said you are going to make me popular. <laughs> you, you did a pretty good job. Did I make you more popular, you think? You, you did. Hey. I, was, I, was, I was a lot more, buddy. I love helping. <laughs> well, it, it's well-deserved, I tell you, what you've done for the sport on and off the track and, and – uh, being such an ambassador to carry the flag, nobody deserves it more than you do. I'm just glad I was a little smidgen part <laughs> of helping you get there. Yeah, but you were a big. I, I didn't do very much. You were a big, big part of my career, but we ran together almost half of my career. It's hard to believe that because it felt like it was such a short, quick little blur, but we got to win some races together, some really important races, and – um yeah. One of the greatest things about being able to work with you, and I know this is a, I know this is uh, my Hall of Fame induction, but I want to share this. It's is exactly I think one of the reasons why I got to where I am today. Um, when I went to work with you, I knew that I was going to be racing with the best, in the best stuff, uh, around the greatest people in our sport, and the t- most talented, smartest minds. You know. Um, but I, one of the greatest things about being an employee at HMS 
is being able to lean to learn from the man himself, Rick Hendrick, and how you know how to treat people, and you have such a big heart. And there's a lot of things that go on behind the scenes that nobody even knows about that you don't care to get credit for. And you just have a great way of you were uh, very supportive uh, to me, and uh, no, no, nothing was was unimportant. Nothing was too. There was no stupid questions. Nothing was too small. Uh, you're a guy who has a lot of things on his plate. You really, really helped me, uh, shape me, um, and help me mature uh, as a person. So. I think that none of that, none of the things that we're talking about today are possible without that influence that you had on me. And so I want to tell you that, you know, this accomplishment is because of people like you. So I'm very thankful. Well, I'll tell you, you know, there's, there's, there's trophies and there's race wins, but then there's people that touch your life that uh, a part of your family that you get to watch, uh, you know, kind of grow up and, and become a husband and a father and, and mature and go through all the elements, uh, that you do. And, and growing up, (laughs) I think I've seen most of them, but, uh, but, but just so proud of you for the kind of person you are. And, uh, to me, your, uh, character, your, uh, always wanting to do the right thing. I mean, you, you, I, I can't, I don't know how many times you told me, Hey, that's the right thing to do. And, uh, you, you don't never hesitate to do that. And, uh, that's why I love you. That's why everybody loves you. And you're part of my family and, uh, you and Kelly have always felt a, a big void in my, my life. So I, uh, I'm just so happy. I just can't believe, I can't believe you're old enough to be in the hall. <laughs> I'm not, Rick, that's the thing. I'm not. That's it. I know it, right? Uh, <laughs> uh, it seems like yeah, yesterday, man. I'm so proud of you, buddy. Yes, sir. Congratulations. Thank you so much, Rick. Mr. H, this is Mike sitting off here to the side here. Would you agree that the Hall of Fame career became – I mean, it became a Hall of Fame trajectory when you had us in for a meeting to, and, and said, you need to start working out? And, and when you got him on the Matt Skeen plan, isn't that really where we kind of hit Hall of Fame status? Yeah, I remember walking by the bus with the window, the smoke rolling out. Yeah, yeah. Now we're selling Nicorette. <laughs> and, and we're riding up 40 miles up the road on a bicycle. Yeah, I, I, I still haven't seen a picture in those, those uh, stretchy pants. Hopefully yet. none exists. <laughs> Yeah, and I remember the first time we had dinner together, Kelly had to go get silverware because you didn't have any silverware. <laughs> I invited him over to the house for dinner and didn't have any silverware. <laughs> man, plastic's good. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. Well, uh, man, thank you so much, Mr. H, uh, for being here. And, Dale, uh, yeah. th- this moment has been special, and you're making it special yet again. Well, it's, uh, you know, you guys, uh, it- it's just been a big part of my life. I never... Ricky told me it was going to happen, but I never thought it would. And uh, just just the everything from you being asleep in the hammock on the island way back when <laughs> to, to you walking down to the dock with the stroller, you know, uh, you and Bubba. Yep. <laughs> uh, but, uh, Mike, you've been you've been there directing him all through the, all the way, and uh, we've been through some 
big victories and we've been through the, the crash with the head injury and, uh, you know, now just to see the family and, and, and really, man, what you're doing in the sport right now and the booth and, uh, you, you're just, uh, nobody deserves this more than you do. So oh, I appreciate so you. I appreciate you taking some time today to, to, to visit with us and I miss you and, uh, can't wait to be able to get, get next to you and, and shake your hand and give you a hug, buddy. Okay, man, me too. Uh, you just enjoy this. It's going gonna, it's gonna to take a little bit to sink in, but... Uh, That's fine. I have no rush. Yeah. <laughs> I'm still so young, Rick. Got all you time. are. Yeah. You, you're, you're just a puppy. I don't know why you're in the... I don't know how... You're just not... There ought to be some age limit. What are you now, 35? 45. 36? Yeah. 45. I thought it was 35. No, I wish. <laughs> Every day. <laughs> Well, well, you enjoy it, brother. Yes, sir. You deserve it. Thank you. <laughs> All right, everybody, we're going to wrap up the show. And man, what a roller coaster <laughs> ride that was! And we covered so much. Honestly, I really hope that a lot of people listen to this show, not just because of the Hall of Fame announcement. I love all the other things that we covered as well. And um, I think you'll just enjoy it. You know, I'm I, the no guests. I, I love having guests. But I'm also really enjoying us just having a conversation because I love all you guys and I love just chatting with you. We don't get to see each other, especially during these particular particular times, as much as we'd like. So it's really fun to come in here and just go at it. That's it. The Dale Jr. Download. Hope you guys enjoy it. Episode 302 is out. Hall of Fame edition. Woo! <laughs> Check out Dirty Mo Media on YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Dirty mode.